Welcome to the No-Till Farmer podcast series, brought to you today by Yetter Farm Equipment. I'm your host, lead content editor, Brian O'Connor. I encourage you to subscribe to this series, which is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Subscribing will allow you to receive an alert about new episodes when they're released. I'd like to take a moment to thank Yetter Farm Equipment for sponsoring today's episode. Yetter Farm Equipment has been providing farmers with solutions since 1930. Today, Getter is your answer for finding the tools and equipment you need to face today's production agriculture demands. The Yetter lineup includes a wide range of planter attachments for different planting conditions, several equipment options for fertilizer placement, and products that meet harvest time challenges. Yetter delivers a return on investment and equipment that meets your needs and maximizes input. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. No-till farmer and agronomist Mitchell Hora is a familiar face around no-till and conservation agriculture conferences. Hora is the CEO of Continuum Ag, which is working on transitioning from a farm consultancy into a software provider, specifically targeting no-till and regenerative farms. Forbes magazine named Hora to its influential 30 under 30 list in the category of social impact in late November. For this No-Till Farmer podcast, I caught up with Mitchell Hora on the sidelines of the Big Soil Health event in Riverside, Iowa. We talked about getting named to the list, the future potential for regenerative agriculture, this company's web-based application topsoil, and more. Just a note, this episode of the podcast briefly addresses farmer suicide. The agriculture industry is among the industries with higher than average rates of suicide, according to statistics by the CDC. If you or someone you know is thinking about suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Mitchell starts off by talking about getting onto the list and about the conference. your reaction to being named to the Forbes 30 under 30 list? Yeah, super honored to be named to Forbes 30 under 30. Represent, you know, um, my family, represent the company, Continuum Ag, represent small town Iowa. There was a a Forbes under 30 WhatsApp group that I got invited to. Like it was a, it was a, it was a, hey, here's a list of WhatsApp groups. You can choose the one that's most associated to you. And it was all coastal kind of stuff. I'm like, well, we need a Midwest. We need a Midwest Forbes WhatsApp group. So I think I'm going to have to get that started. Um, But actually, my COO at Continuum Ag, Brad McDonald, was named to the Forbes Under 30 list in 2018. So actually, there's actually two of us here in the room here today. Well, he wasn't with the company at that time. He was with a different company, uh, the company that he was a founder of and uh, when he was directed on his entrepreneurial journey. So pretty cool to, to have two of us. And like I said, just honored to be able to to represent the area. Um, but represent everybody that has helped me to get here. Obviously, this is, as we've seen here today at this event, um, this is a group effort and it's community that we're trying to build. So I'm just excited to represent the community. You mentioned the WhatsApp app group. Has there been any, as of yet, and I know it's recent days still, has there been any cross-pollination of ideas or anything like that? So actually here tonight, there is a, a webinar kind of thing that we're supposed to be getting on. Um, I need to look into it. I kind of forgot about it actually. So, but there's a webinar kind of deal tonight because um, it just got announced here the other day. Yeah. So, and uh, tonight's supposed to be the launch of like the virtual mix and mingle and meet the other 
um, awardees. And actually, um, here today, the some of the founders of FarmRaise were actually also awarded uh, or named to the list. So that's kind of cool that they're a sponsor here. Um, you know, friends of of mine. You know, here now for the last couple of years. So FarmRaise is a company that helps to digitize the government like protocol or government paperwork okay. for CSP, Equip, and other um, conservation funding. Yeah. So. Farmers hate doing paperwork. They're they're you know they don't sit still long enough to be able to do it. And farmers digitizes that whole process. Yeah. And they're here because we've been discussing having their platform tied into ours, nice. so that our farmers you know can enter the data one time and easily be able to link it to evaluate what would you know different cost or opportunities be to yeah. invest in their operation. Do you know? Do they tell you at all how you were selected to that? Like. So I'm not sure yet who nominated me. I'm not sure yet, uh, you know, kind of the rest of the in and out process of it. But I was nominated, filled out the um, the application stuff. It's fairly lengthy. And then they had a panel of folks, of other industry folks, of past recipients. They chose, you know, who actually gets the awards. And and uh, so, yeah, I, I need to find who nominated me. Um, been saying that a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. So. But I mean, we work with a lot of really great startup groups um, here in Iowa. Um, Iowa is a good place to be an entrepreneur, and there's a lot of resources. There's a lot of effort there. We have a lot of folks here today that that we work closer with. Um, so I'm assuming it was one of them. Yeah. Okay. Do you feel comfortable in the social impact category? Of that? Like I mentioned, it's more than actually 30 people. Now. Yeah. I got the email saying, "Hey, you've been, you know, you made the list," and I looked at the website and I was like digging through some of the categories i'm like i don't see me like is this like real and then uh then was able to yeah saw something that yeah on the social impact which is kind of interesting and good piece to point out but basically just shows you know through regenerative ag through the data it's we are making a massive social impact a global impact it's not just you know helping to bring new technology to the space or be able to improve, you know, farmer livelihoods or whatever. But the social impact to me is that through regenerative ag, through the data, through the work of, of our platform and our team, that we're helping farmers to improve their impact on carbon, improve water quality, feed the world. Um, but also, you know, I think of, of our company also as bringing opportunity and hope for farmers in that agriculture has one of the highest suicide rates. And we need to show positive opportunities that there is a bright future ahead for agriculture. Um, you know, and I think having 350, almost 400 people at this event here today is a testament to this is the right space to be in. There's a, the movement is real. It's continuing to grow and regenerative agriculture provides an opportunity for the future. Also, it seems to me emblematic of the extent to which, right, now, I am the lead content editor for No-Till and Strip yep. particularly, but as I understand it, those fit inside the larger box. 100%. The but, extent uh, to which that's become mainstream, and now we're starting to see changes downstream. My definition of regenerative ag is a continual improvement upon the principles of soil health. Mm-hmm. Soil health principle number one is minimize disturbance. Right. And no-till, strip-till, that's a movement towards minimizing the physical disturbance. We also need to minimize chemical disturbance and in, in that as well. Um, but I mean, to be able to keep the carbon in your soil or build up your microbial populations, yeah. you got to keep their house in order. Yeah. <laughs> and if we destroy their house, what do we expect? Right. You're not going to build them up. Yeah. This is one way. This is the economic side. Are there other ways that we can get at that issue as well? I mean, well, brought it up. and more so, yeah. So with the farmer suicide thing for me, you know, it's in, in 
to put a caveat on that, a caveat on that, it's just an overall message of providing hope for anything, not necessarily only at suicide. That that's yeah. obviously an outcome of just lack of opportunity, yeah. a lack of a positive mindset, a lack of of seeing a brighter future ahead. And to me, regenerative ag shows not only promise economics wise, of course, we're running businesses here. Right. I mean, we're doing it for the lifestyle. We're doing it because it's a family thing, the legacy, but we're running businesses. Right. You got to have money to run a business or you got a business. So got to have economic opportunity. But it also, I think, you know, farmers have been pointed to as kind of a bad guy in a lot of things, water quality issues, losing carbon to the atmosphere. We're 12% of the U.S.'s carbon footprint comes from ag. I mean, we're part of some of the issues here and farmers have been pointed to as the bad guy and that's tough on your moral, like, Hey, we're trying to feed the world. We're trying to take care of the land. We're trying to foster mother nature. Um, but now through regenerative ag, they're really shining through as the heroes and as the provider of lots of solutions. So it's a completely shift of the public perception and the approach and the light that's being shined on farmers. So I think that, you know, shows another opportunity. And of course, hopefully drives some economics too. Well, and as uh, I guess Dr. Hatfield mentioned during his presentation, you know, if we're talking about $100 billion, it seems like there's tremendous potential here at the very least for, for productivity. Massive. So, I mean, big opportunity for feeding people, mm-hmm. for feeding people with less acres, of course, like we're going to have to do. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, for us, it's reducing our impact on or reducing our reducing the impact that outside forces have on our operation and on our bottom line. So like we're, we, we're doing the bare minimum for crop insurance. I didn't even know that there was a 50% coverage program for crop insurance, but we're in that. They don't advertise that program. That's the minimum that you can do. Yeah. And it's super cheap. And all we're doing is it's, it's in there to allow us to qualify for other stuff. We're still pretty early in this. I would foresee that very soon we'll be completely away from crop insurance. On a significant portion of our acres, we're not eligible for federal crop insurance. A significant portion of our farm is not insured and not insurable at all. Like a relay cropping and things like that is what I'm getting is, at. These are just methods that don't have... Because we're not in the book. Yep. So to get federal crop insurance, you have to be within the means of the BMPs, best management practices. Things like relay cropping, 60-inch corn, interseeding cover crops. Not That's not in the book yet. And then that leads into like with the carbon discussion that we've talked a lot about today. Right. The carbon models are set up for maybe like four or five different drivers. Yeah. Not the creativity that exists in Regen Ag. That's the problem is is that we don't have enough data. The models are super outdated. The data behind them is mostly from the 60s. Yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of papers about these models. And about 50% of them say that the models don't work. Well, you guys <laughs> so always, like, we, we need to iterate. Themselves in this position, 100%. Like, in front of the science because totally. it works. So that's my push too. We yeah. need to have more transparency around how do you actually quantify your carbon footprint? What's the real impact and how do we how do farm and then give farmers a better understanding of how to measure this how to quantify how to improve upon those metrics and tell their story better so that they can be rewarded based on it and that's why i think you know today the carbon programs are really just privatized cost share right because it's hey we'll pay you some money do cover crop we'll pay you some money do no-till we'll pay you some money reduce your nitrogen that's privatized cost share hopefully it drives a carbon outcome but it's privatized cost share have you received pushback on this? To me, my take on these things is a if farmers can utilize a 
you know, a partnership between the farmer and a company, the end consumer, the these groups that want to offset their carbon footprint. Yeah. Hey, if we can be part of their solution, sweet. You know, yeah. like why would we not want to work with these guys? Now, are we going to are we solving the best problem that we can go and solve right now? No. Like, sure, there's lots of things that we could look at. There's you know, the the fertilizer causes way more of an impact than some of our other practices do like that's fine but um if we go straight to cut your fertilizer massively you're gonna flop yeah because our soils we've lost the biology in our soils we lost the soil's ability to naturally function so you gotta start with no-till and cover crops first then we see that we can decrease synthetic fertilizer extremely quickly Typically, I don't recommend we do it in year one, but definitely by year two, year three, and for sure by year five, we're cutting fertilizer big time. Like the seven-year plans looking a little further, we just released, you know, beta here today, some new tools that we built within our topsoil platform to look five years into the future at your economic models, economic outcomes. Here's where you're at today. Plug in your own data. Yeah. Here's where you want to be in the future. Let's look at the risk and let's look at the reward. And then let's paint a picture of an exact plan step by step on how to get there. And it's basically just scaling the handholding that farmers need. Very few farmers really know how to do regen ag at scale and aggressively. You know, there's only 4% of farmers in the country that use cover crops. 96% of farmers don't really know how to use them or they're not using them today. So we have to scale the access to information and uh, make sure that those 96% of farmers that aren't using cover crops today, yeah. we got to make sure that they have success. That's because in a lot of us that are the that are the innovators, the early adopters, we had major flops yeah. in using cover crops. We cannot have that at scale, or else we're not going to get there. You had all the error. We had all the error. Now we can share what we learned and what everyone else in the room has learned. Yeah, we can digitize that. We can package that. We can make sure that everyone else has success. Yeah. Um, so, and that kind of brings me to like, kind of. So I'm fairly bad with money. I make an Excel spreadsheet with a budget in it. It's better than a lot of people. Well, <laughs> I I had a hammer. It was a nail. Um, nice. <laughs> um, but it sounds like your app is kind of in that Uber thing. Of like, yeah. we're going to take broad vision and then here's Correct. six months in a year. And That's right. That's right. So a key thing is, you know, the farmers or all these people nowadays here today at the Big Soil Health event. They're all here getting super jazzed up because they see guys like Rick Clark and Dave Brandt, these guys that have been doing this for forever. It's like, holy crap, this is awesome. I want to go do this. I want to be innovative. I want to try stuff. And then they go home tomorrow and they're like, well, now what do I do? How do I start? How do you actually do it? It's what we want to do through our platform, Topsoil, and through our whole network. We have over 370 consultants in our network. A lot of these guys spoke today. We have over 1,100 farmers in in our network. And it's building the community around how do you take the concepts and pull them down to your actual farm with your equipment, with your economics, with your soils, with your biology in your soils. That's going to be the actual driver of your ability to be aggressive Mm -hmm. and to move the needle quickly. So it just pulls it all down to the practicality. We'll get back to Mitchell Hora in a moment. But I want to take time once again to thank our sponsor, Yetter Farm Equipment, for supporting today's episode. Yetter Farm Equipment has been providing farmers with solutions since 1930. Today, Yetter is your answer for finding the tools and equipment you need to face today's production agriculture demands. 
The Yetter lineup includes a wide range of planter attachments for different conditions, several equipment options for fertilizer placement, and products that meet harvest time challenges. Yetter delivers a return on investment and equipment that meets your needs and maximizes inputs. Visit them at yetterco.com. That's Y-E-T-T-E-R-C-O.com. Now here's my interview with Mitchell Hora. You mentioned topsoil, the topsoil app, or topsoil tool app twice now, so I guess I'm going to have to that. Yeah. Um, how is it different than maybe other ag-based apps that we see? Great question. So top, so I started Continuum Ag in 2015 mm-hmm. doing soil health consulting with the Haney test. Yeah. I'm an agronomist by training, yeah. and I'm a seventh-generation farmer. It was, how do we better understand the soils on our farm? Because we were starting down this path. We've been no-till since 1978. We just started using cover crop in 2015. Okay. Or 2013 was our first year at it. 2015, we got aggressive. Was that like the incentives that made that feasible then? Or there was a program. They started, they started pushing it about that time. We had a good um, county soil commissioner uh, that's a seed customer of my dad's and a, and a family friend. Um, we're in Washington County, Iowa. Yeah. which is kind of the, the hot spot for cover crop and for no-till in the state of Iowa and in, in the Midwest, really. And uh, so a lot of other people that were saying, okay, let's give it a shot. There's a lot of folks in the, in the area that have been doing it for a long time. And some of them guys are here. Yeah. Those guys have been using cover crops in Washington County since the late 70s, way before it was cool. <laughs> and uh, same thing even on the no-till side, you know, and yeah. like our operation, way before it was cool. And uh, way before you're posting the picture of it on Instagram, yeah. that's for sure. So the uh, so we got got into it. We started using the Haney test. It was making so much more sense. It was the aha moments that we needed, and that a lot of other farmers I was working with needed. But then we needed better tools to manage all the data. Yeah, we've built the largest private Haney data set now, that was and we needed a tool, and we needed a tool. So we built our own. Yeah. So the so the topsoil tool provides your variable rate precision ag fertility recommendations with the Haney test. We're the only one that does it. Mm-hmm. Now we've diversified further into, well, we're tracking all this data about your regenerative practices and about your fertility management, about building up your soil health. Well, hey, we can also talk about carbon. We can also connect you to these sustainability initiatives and help to drive this further. So now we work with groups like Rabobank that's here and we just announced a deal today with SIBO yeah. and uh, we've been working with Nori for multiple years. We have a deal with Land Lakes coming out here. Uh, it sounds like later this week or next week. So basically what we do is we help farmers to define point A, define it, get the data, understand where you're at and then get from point A to point B. Yeah. The fertility recommendations, the regen roadmap, the plan, the how to to take where you're at today, improve to fulfill a contract now, but also just to be more profitable and implement regen successfully. What options do farmers have to use the app? I mean, is it multi-platform? It's all online. Yep, topsoil.ag. It's free. It's free to get started. Topsoil.ag, plug in your fields, integrate with other platforms. Easiest spot to be able to get all your historical data if you want to enroll in a carbon program. Uh, You can get all your projections and outlook kind of stuff in there. Fertility racks. We do have a scout, an app that's coming out here soon as well. Um, we've got the ability to get all your fertility recommendations with old data or new data, whatever you need. We can do scouting in there. We can like just trying to do a lot of different things, but it's it's the only platform that can do it with Soul Health and can connect with the labs and and look at biology, map biology, and help you to make a decision based on a regenerative mindset. 
Um, your website says farmers can get uh, unbiased variable rate recommendations instantly. What assumptions are being made to make that happen? Yeah. Is there an underlying soil survey or something that's being used as a foundational info? You're talking about the Haney test. Yeah, it's with the Haney test. So so we use use the soil survey. We use Sergo and USGS. So Sergo so- soil survey and then USGS is is um, lidar the yeah so it's the we got lidar so it's basically a souped up soil type map is what we make we have machine learning to do it. it's cool stuff so souped up soil type map if we have yield data if we have imagery we can use that to make zones as well then we go to the field pull haney tests send them to the labs we have a direct connectivity with the lab to send the data and to receive it we can automatically run all your fertility recommendations at scale in an unbiased manner based on the haney test which factors in what you did last year, what you're going to do in the future. We're looking at factoring in the actual biology, the carbon, the organic and the inorganic nutrients into the fertility recommendation. So just much more all encompassing. So Lance Gunderson with the Regen Ag Lab, you know, is our primary group that we work with now. And uh, he was explaining, you know, how the, the test looks so much deeper. Yeah. It looks so much deeper. Well, we take that and put it into farmer mindset of a map, a heat map. What do I need to do? Okay, so the Haney test is cool. A lot of data, a lot of information. But how much fertilizer do I need? Right. That's, that's what we do. We fill in the gap and we're able to do it at scale. That also might help with uh, scientific literacy. Definitely the scientific literacy. And, uh, and then it, we can also cross-correlate your soil data to yield and other outcomes too. So understand what actually matters. Well, that's the other thing. Do you farmers have a means of reporting the outcomes to you guys? Are you looking at tracking? Oh, yeah. Data? Full follow through. Okay. All the yield data we can pull in. Yeah. The aerial imagery, we can pull all that through. We're going to have to have that for reporting into transparent supply chains anyway. Yeah. Might as well learn from that data. Farmers have been collecting data for a long time, but most of them really haven't learned from it. Yeah. And we make that simplified as well. Um, now, can you give me a, a more... So we talked about outcomes. It says, uh, in that... In a lot of cases, especially time skills, if we're talking about mm-hmm. five years, seven years. Yeah. Do you have anything that can track the instant? Oh, yeah. Kind of results? So number one is look at the fertility that you're going to use versus what we do now. Right. Instant. On average, our soil sampling costs $10 an acre. Yeah. On average, I see a $10 an acre fertilizer savings right off the bat. Wow. Instant, at least break even right yeah. away from our services mm-hmm. and from better data. Then we often, that's typically just with P and K. Typically, we can also find savings in nitrogen. For our farm, we've cut our NPK by 45% using this. Um, Our average this year is about 145 pounds of nitrogen. Average yield about 215, 220. A lot of our farms, we can see even 120, 140 units of nitrogen and a 283 in a bushel corn. Like it's just, it's not supposed to work that way. But what we're finding is when we started on the cover crop journey, we started doing the Haney test, our soil was about 90% inorganic, nitrate and ammonium, only 10% organic, the proteins, the enzymes, biological nitrogen. Today, it's the opposite. We're 90% organic and only 10% inorganic. Nitrate tests don't even work for me anymore. Stock nitrate tests in my crop doesn't work for me anymore. The stock nitrate test is supposed to be your validation of is your nitrogen program on point at the end of the year? The Iowa State recommendation is to have your spring, your stock nitrate test in the fall somewhere between 400 and 2,000 part per million. Our average is in the double digits, like 35 or so on average, 35 part per million. 
the minimum is supposed to be 400. But our corn shows no cannibalization, shows no tip back on the ear. We are getting record yields. And it's because our nitrogen in our system is no longer in the nitrate form. Lance was just talking about again. It's protein. It's enzymes. It's what we actually care about. I don't care about growing nitrate in my crop. I want to grow protein. Most of my crop is going to feed pigs. Yeah. Because I'm in Washington County. And uh, so a lot of it's going to feed hogs. And now what I'm really interested in, I think the ultimate for the region path here is to actually quantify your nutrient density. I don't have the data on it yet, but I would assume my corn is still getting nitrogen. It's not in nitrate anymore. It's not in ammonium anymore, which pretty much means that it must be going into protein, must be going into amino acids. It must be going into these enzymes and it's in that readily available form that a pig actually wants to eat. Yeah. And if it's in the simplified components, the nitrate, the ammonium, that's what diseases and bugs go after, insects. The diseases and the insects can't go after the more complex forms of sugar or protein. And the plant signals, like there's so many things that we don't understand yet. But we've basically eliminated our need for fungicide. We don't use insecticides at all anymore either because we don't have the issues. Yeah. Because the pests cannot... Deep, they can't eat. They can't eat the crops that we have out there. So, can you give me an example of how, if I'm a farmer, I can use a a custom algorithm to improve my manner? Yeah. So, what we're able to do is we've got our algorithms. We have our recommendations within the platform from Dr. Haney and from our own research. We work with Iowa State and stuff too to get you our fertility recommendation. But what we do is we work through our network of consultants. We understand that we don't know everything. And I am a farmer in small town Iowa. I don't feel comfortable making a blanket application, a blanket recommendation for every farm around the world. It's not realistic. So what we do is we make the default recommendation or plug in your your own recommendations, your own algorithms, your own formulas to make a recommendation. We typically work with agronomists, crop consultants, and plug in their algorithms. They own them. They own their own recommendations. We just delivered to them at scale. Get the recommendation 95% ready. They can go in and edit the recommendation before actually delivering it to their farmer, downloading the shapefile, making the fertilizer application. So it's we got to scale the science of agriculture. Our, our whole philosophy is in Topsoil, we're scaling the science of agriculture so the farmers and their local agronomists can optimize the art of agriculture. Take the concepts, take the data, take the science. Here's Here it is, 95% ready, but you tweak it. You make it work for your context of your farm. We'll help you get there, but that's that I think is the key. Um, so you mentioned Amy. Uh, Mr. Gunderson was talking about the conventional test. Yeah. Maybe I'll uh, refer to him as Mr. Gunderson. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there any other tests that are so, I mean, there's lots of different soil tests and stuff that people use. And really with a conventional soil test, we're talking about Malik, Bray, Olson. There's lots of different tests. And, and there's plenty of tests that work fine. And if you're in a conventional system, those tests, they work to sell synthetic fertilizer. They're calibra- calibrated to look at synthetic fertilizer tied to yield. If that's what you care about, buying fertilizer, applying fertilizer to drive yield, fine. Use that test. But if you've looked at synthetic fertilizer costs right now, right. it's going to be tough. Right. 
and that's fine. If you can make it work, if you're at scale, if you've got the economic suite, like, hey, let's do it. If it feeds your family, awesome. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but for farmers that are looking at a regenerative system, what we find all the time is as you adopt no-till cover crops and regenerative systems, your soil changes from being chemistry-driven to being biologically-driven. And now a regular test just doesn't work anymore. It doesn't make sense. The numbers don't line up. They And people scratch their heads. Then we do a Haney test. like, oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Like for my operation, if we were to only look at the old way of looking at our soils for nitrate, for example, we would go out there and do a spring nitrate test. Yeah. It would show next to nothing. We'd apply a whole bunch of fertilizer. It wouldn't correlate to yield at all. And then my stock nitrate, my stock nitrate test is still showing too that I don't have enough nitrogen. Right. It's not making sense. It doesn't line up. But when we do a Haney test, I see, oh, crap, 90% of my nitrogen's in the organic form. We never even looked at that before. We never even thought to look at it before. But now we can actually see the full picture. Do you see this as an evolutionary process? I mean, we talk about the Haney now supplanting the conventions. Yeah. Ten years down the road, somebody's name is not Haney. Correct. So the future, I believe, is going to be sensors. It's going to be real time. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, it's going to be sensors. It's going to be real time. There's a cool company that's here today called Crystal Labs. They're out of Canada. We've been doing some testing with them, like real time nutrient, carbon, organic matter, pH testing. Like, it's super cool. I think it's infrared is what they're using, but it's different sensors and stuff. You got to have it all calibrated in. I believe all these sensors still need a lot of work. They need a lot of calibration. There's a lot of variables that, that I don't think we've accounted for yet. And the number one thing is, they're missing the biology. Yeah. So they might get us a better accurate reading of the chemistry that's there right now, but we also have sensors that are coming out now for real-time biological assessment too. So we are going to be able to see it all. For me, I don't care what the methodology is. Obviously, I like the Haney test. It's helped us tremendously. It's helped a lot of my customers. I like it a lot. It's the thing you know that we recommend doing today. But to your point, it's going to be an evolution. It's going to be technology. It's going to be sensing, remote sensing. And for us... It's, hey, whatever data can help a farmer to make an informed, accurate decision that drives their freedom to make their own decision, hey, let's do it. That brings up uh, two questions that I think are kind of interrelated. So, but it's there, it's available for free use, or is it a subscription use? So how we were working, right now you can start on Topsoil totally free. Okay. Our regen roadmap tools, which we're just now launching, is five bucks an acre. Five bucks for the whole plan. If you need soil sampling, cool. We can help you get that. But all of the tools we've got, it's five bucks. That's it. And then what we pretty economical. We we have a lot that we want to continue to to prove here. Where we are going to be able to make money is there's a lot of companies that want access to these farms, that want to be able to connect in here. Well, in like carbon, for example. What we want to be able to do is we want to get paid when the farmer gets paid. If that farmer is making money on beating these carbon models and we can help them to be innovative, to outperform and to do better, we want them to see the upside and we want to we want to be participating in that. Um, so Facebook and Twitter were both free. And yeah. One of the things that the companies get is data. All the data. All the data. Yeah. Um, is there a similar concern with you? Like, how do you handle... Yeah, so we looked at should Topsoil... And we're still kind of figuring out how do we develop a, the business model at scale. And we're really in this position right now where we're switching from a direct-to-farmer consulting company to a scalable SaaS business model. It's been a very interesting transition, and it's really taken us two years to yeah. figure this out. Okay, so... But what we're finding is groups like Robobank, groups like SIBO, 
Bank of America is here. These guys want to help farmers to implement regenerative systems. And they want the outcomes from it. Yeah. They've got big goals. Bank of America, Rabobank was part of a deal. And at the COP26 event, there was a group of financial institutions and banks and, and uh, investors worth $130 trillion that pledged to be net zero by 2050. And they need the methodologies. They need the tools to be able to get there. Agriculture is not going to solve all the problems, but we can sure as heck provide a good solution. And the key thing that we have is we can stack the outcomes. We can not only sequester carbon, but we can feed, we can improve our impact on feeding the world. We can feed them better quality food. We can improve water quality, like lots of stuff. So what we're interested in is, okay, there's very few farmers and very few agronomists that understand how to implement regen. There's a lot of companies and a lot of money that wants to go into solutions. We want to provide the digital tool to allow the farmers, allow the agronomists that get it to learn, to network, to build community, but to be equipped with the data to make as big of an impact as we can. Because there's so few people that know. So we got to be able to to grow the network and bring everyone in to help to meet them at their point A, help them to understand what's point B, and put together that regen roadmap to get there. And that we did for five bucks. There are some biostimulant companies that are not thrilled with this. <laughs> I've had some interesting comments here today. Um, but I, I, and I've played a lot with a lot of biostimulants, with a lot of biological products. And I've actually had really good success with them too. I think some of those products have a good place in this. Especially to help to jumpstart the system. And to help you to have initial economic and yield success in year one, I think there actually is a pretty good spot for some of these companies to help. Now, long-term throwing, you know, a couple ounces of microbes per acre is nothing compared to the tens of thousands of pounds of microbes that exist in that soil. In one teaspoon of soil, there's more microbes than there are people on the earth. In one teaspoon of healthy soil. And what's amazing too is if we were to, to weigh all of the organisms on earth that we cannot see versus all of the organisms on earth that we can see humans, animals, plants, everything. The things that we can't see would weigh more than all the things that we could see, which is blows my mind. And also another thing, since we're talking about this, the human body is 10 trillion cells, human 90 trillion cells, microbe. Isn't that crazy? So like literally you could vaporize all of my human cells and my form of my body would still stand here. My beer would probably fall to the ground pretty quick. But but my human form would still be there for a split second yeah. before all my microbes crumbled, which is just mind-blowing. Um, that's all the questions I have. Well, this is fun. Appreciate uh, appreciate you know Noto Farmer and the conference conference has been awesome. Um, appreciate the work that Lester Media and, and Noto Farmer does. That's I got to. I got to figure out if uh, I got to figure out if I'm making it back to the conference here this year. I spoke at it a couple years ago, yeah, and uh, and now with Jeremiah and Lauren and a bunch of these guys, I might have to make an appearance. But I do have a two week old baby daughter at home, yeah, so that might. Hard. But no, appreciate you being here and um, and the coverage and and yeah, let's keep pushing. Let's do it. Thanks to Mitchell Hora for taking the time to speak with us, and congratulations on his new child. To listen to more podcasts about no-till topics and strategies, please visit notillfarmer.com slash podcasts. Once again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, 
yet our farm equipment for helping to make this no-till podcast series possible. If you have any feedback on today's episode, please feel free to email me at b-o-c-o-n-n-o-r at lessonermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2413. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Podcasts to get an alert as soon as future episodes are released. You can also keep up on the latest no-till farming news by registering online for our No-Till Insider Daily and Weekly Email Updates and Dryland No-Tiller e-newsletter. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at No-Till Farmer with Farmer spelled F-A-R-M-R and our No-Till Farmer Facebook page. For our entire staff here at No-Till Farmer, I'm lead content editor Brian O'Connor. Thanks for listening. Good day, this is Brian O'Connor speaking. Oh, thank you very much for calling me back. (laughs)